Hello, everybody. Thank goodness that week is over, and you're back here with me on the Friday show. Of course, I'm Dustin, and this is the Culture Jack Podcast. Welcome back. We're so happy to see you. Now, it's Friday, so that means that we just had Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I hope you had a fantastic meal. I know there were a lot of things going around saying you should limit your dinner party this time. So hopefully everyone was responsible, not too much traveling and and uh, no one no one catches a deadly, deadly pandemic virus from your meal. <laughs> I mean, I hope not. And it is the Friday show. And so it is the blackest of Fridays. So I don't know what Black Friday looks like this year. Maybe it's a lot of digital things. I know some stores were putting out their black deals their their Black Friday deals, not their black deals. Their black deals would be more in line with uh, things that had to do with like satanic rituals, I suppose. The black deals, you can get 50% off these runes and summon Satan himself to your family's home. I don't know what the black deals are, but maybe they're a little bit, I don't know, have a little bit to do with the dark magics. Anyway, this is the Friday show. We don't talk about dark magic here. We talk about video game news. We talk about movie news. And we talk about things that interest uh, Anthony and myself. Speaking of Anthony, on Monday Madness Show uh, this week, he asked me a question. He asked, out of all of the remakes that are happening, what is the one remake I would like to see happen or is rumored to be happening? Um, which one am I most excited to see? Which one am I most excited about? And if you, if you want to, uh, and I would encourage you highly to do so, go listen to the Monday Madness episode where Anthony had a very interesting episode talking about, uh, auctions and some of the way that the ways that like auctions and eBay relate to how you traded Pokemon cards on the playground. He also brought up a, Shoot, it was uh, something I hadn't thought about in a long time, but Tradio. Do you remember Tradio where someone would get on and they'd say, hey, I have 50 pairs of socks. I'm offering $20 for the whole 50 pairs of socks. Uh, you can you can reach me at this number. Give me a call. I'll sell you my socks. Or I'm looking for some new snow tires or I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. And then they'd get together based on this. It's like a... It's like a uh, like the classifieds, it's like a missed connection, but for buyers and sellers, it was the Tradio. It was basically like the Craigslist of the nineties, which him talking about that funnily, funnily, I am having a hard time with my words tonight, everyone. So if you could, if you could please just give me uh, two big old breaks, I'd just really appreciate <laughs> I'd really appreciate if you took the pressure off tonight, especially I'm a very anxious and nervous person naturally. And so me trying to do this, my best for you is it's really riding, riding heavy on my thoughts this evening or this morning or whatever time of day you listen to this podcast. I'm really throwing it in here. All right, pick it back up. It's not over yet, Dustin. You can do this. So the Tradio reminded me of another show called Doggone News where people would lose their their Labrador or they would find someone else's lost pit or, uh, you know, short-haired terrier or whatever animal and whatever pet they'd lost. And they would then connect with the, the other owner 
uh, over this show and they'd say, Hey, look, I lost my golden retriever. If anyone sees her, you know, she's, uh, she's big and fat and she is dumber than a, a set of bricks. And she responds, uh, to, to the name, Hey, you want some food? And so then they would get in contact with you that way as well. That's something I hadn't thought about. And I'm sure that, uh, Tradio and doggone news are as healthy today as they were back in the 90s, but it, it kind of reminded me of that. As, as to Anthony's question about the remakes, he had uh, talked about the, the fan petition Back to the Future remake and that everyone was wanting Tom Holland to be cast as Marty McFly and then uh, Robert Downey Jr. to be cast as, as Doc Brown, which would be a wonderful cast. By the way... Tom Holland is currently, I think they're filming. I think they're e- either in production or post-production of a uh, Uncharted movie where he plays Nathan Drake. And I guess, who was it that plays yeah. Mark Wahlberg? Mark Wahlberg? I'm not getting any better, and I don't intend to. By gosh, you know what? Now I'm making a stand. Before, it was all an accident. Now it's going to be intentional. So when I flub up on a word or I mix up my sentences, you're going to know that now I've made a commitment to it. And so I'm sorry, but that's just the show that you're getting today. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's funny. He mentioned Back to the Future because not to name drop, but to name drop, I have a famous cousin who was in Back to the Future 2 and 3 as George McFly, Marty McFly's father, Jeffrey Wiseman. And it's a it's a weird I I I really should have him on the show at some point cuz I'm sure he'd love to do it. He loves talking about this stuff, but he was in Back to the Future 2 and 3 to replace Crispin Glover who had been I think his name is Crispin Glover. If I'm getting that wrong, I apologize. Uh, who had been George McFly, but due to some negotiation disputes, he was out. They hired Jeffrey and they actually took prosthetics of the first guy's face and put them on my cousin's face. And this in turn actually changed the rules in Hollywood to say that you couldn't use facial prosthetics to make someone look like someone else because they own the rights to their own face. And so you can't just go making money off of someone else's face. So really interesting stuff. Anyway, Anthony asked me about this remake and I narrowed it down to four movies. Uh, Dune, which is coming out, looks awesome. It's not the one I'm most excited about. Mortal Kombat, which was a big part. And that song is still a big part of my life. Every day I, I, uh, I play it when I, when I get up in the morning. Uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy, which I, I believe is LeBron. He's going to be the star of this one. And if you haven't watched Space Jam in a while, let me let me lend you a word of caution. I watched it recently, and I do have very fond memories, very fond nostalgia for Space Jam. But Michael Jordan's a terrible actor. Like, he's not good. He he's a, a national treasure and he is a sports icon and he's a wonderful, wonderful person. I'm sure I, I guess a new documentary on, on him said he was kind of an asshole sometimes, but that's what champions are. They want to win. They got that drive. They got that pull. They got that push, but he's not a good actor. And so I wonder if LeBron's acting chops are going to be any better, but the one that I'm excited to see most 
is Ghostbusters Afterlife. And I know it's not as much of a remake as it is kind of a sequel to the original Ghostbusters movies, but it is a sequel that we did not get with the reboot. I think it was 2016, maybe 2015. When did fan- the new Fantastic Four come out? 2015? Must have been 2016 then. I don't know dates. I don't know timelines. What day is it? It's Friday. Happy Thanksgiving. Yesterday. It's Black Friday today. Now, don't summon any demons <laughs> with those black deals. All right. I have to admit, this is not Friday when I'm recording this. It never is Friday when I'm recording this. If I'm on my business, it should at the very latest be Thursday evening when I'm recording this. But I am recording this actual pod- podcast a little bit earlier than that. And so, if at some point Black Widow is announced earlier in the week, and it is not reflected in this podcast that it is being broadcast on the subscription service Disney Plus, this is not my fault. Boy, would I have egg on my face, though, if it were. Oh, boy, would I be. I, You know what? I'm going to risk it. I'm just going to say, why don't they have Black Widow on Disney Plus yet? And I I think that's a pretty safe bet, a safe thing to say early in the week for a broadcast intended for later in the week. However, I was talking to Anthony and we were talking about the Wonder Woman 1984 move, putting it on HBO Max for free alongside a theatrical release for a month. Now, Warner Brothers is really putting the screws with this move to Mickey Mouse. And, And maybe he'll have relented and released it maybe on Thanksgiving to Disney plus. I don't know, but regardless, the point is they really, really should. If you haven't heard me say it before release black widow onto Disney plus. Now on the show today, I'm going to be talking uh, primarily about losing a monoculture. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk about what a monoculture is. Uh, I'm also going to talk about some gaming news as I am want to do. Uh, I'm going to talk about how concerts are being held in the future. I'm going to talk about, remember last week I talked about not having cereal prizes anymore. And I think that's been remedied. I think that's been remedied now in a bit, in a big way. So, uh, we're going to get into that in a, in a moment. So first, uh, and these are, these are music artists that I know nothing about. I don't know anything about these guys, but apparently there is a, a rap artist named Lil Nas X. So that's Lil L I L apostrophe Nas X. He did a virtual live concert, um, on November 12th, uh, on the popular video game, Roblox. So those of you unfamiliar with Roblox, what it is is basically a creative tool game where you play these little robot creatures and a bunch of people upload maps and games and adventures for your little block person to go on. But it's very, very popular. My kids play it. I've played it. I'm not embarrassed to say. I'm not embarrassed to say. I played Roblox, damn it. And I had a good time when I did. Not a great time, but a good time. And the, that's not the amazing part, and this is not unprecedented. Other people have held concerts in a virtual space. Uh, but what is amazing is this drew the largest crowd. Over a three-day period, Lil Nas X 
He, he brought an audience of 33 million people to his virtual online concert. Now, if little Nas was doing a tour, if he was on the road filling out stadiums, he would not get that kind of viewership. There was uh, Fortnite had some in-game concerts as well. Uh, Marshmallow had Marshmallow and um, what's what's his name? Travis Scott. Uh, Marshmallow had about 10 million people. Travis Scott had about 27 uh, virtual seats filled. And it, it, they were both beat out by this little Nas guy. But what I'm saying here is you have these, I assume they're big name artists, singing in a virtual space with vert- virtual presentations, with virtual effects, and they are having eyes glued to their to their shows. I mean, what a what a boon for a game like Roblox or a game like Fortnite where you don't even need to have I mean, does this have implications for real-world concerts? I mean, certainly it does right now in the time of a pandemic and coronavirus, but perhaps this will change the way some artists market themselves in the future. Stand-up comedians, I I was watching uh, Kevin Hart he was doing a Netflix comedy special in his house. He had 20, 30 people there in his house. They were all masked up. They were separated. Uh, but it was really it was really interesting to see. Now, on to the breakfast cereal <laughs> the breakfast cereal comment that I made earlier. If you are a, a PlayStation 5 fan and a General Mills fan, you're going to be pleased with this little tidbit because uh, now through the end of February, uh, you have an opportunity on participating cereal boxes by General Mills to win a PlayStation 5. I believe they're doing this sweepstakes with uh, somewhere along the lines of four or 500 PlayStation 5 winners. And so you have an opportunity to turn in a code. I think you can turn in like 15 codes and uh, potentially win a PlayStation 5, which is a pretty cool prize. And maybe I'm going to make some changes in my cereal shopping routine to, I don't know, maybe get maybe get myself a chance to win a PlayStation 5. I think that'd be cool. Now, this isn't unique because Taco Bell has been doing deals like this with Xbox, probably PlayStation as well, uh, uh, where they give away consoles if someone wins a I don't know, they get the Taco Bell box or or something. On to movie and TV news. Uh, Universal struck a deal with the movie uh, chain Cinemark to shorten the theatrical release before uh, releasing their movies physically or digitally. Now, historically, movies were required to be exclusively in, in theaters for 75 to 90 days. But this deal... Uh, allows them to add their digital rental service after only 17 days. And it also apparently gives a a better profit-sharing deal for the theaters due to that reduced theater time. Uh, Universal also struck the same deal or a very similar deal uh, to this one with AMC a few months ago. And this new deal says that any movie that earns more than $50 million in its opening weekend sales... It has to play in theaters for five weekends 
before it is released digitally. Um, and then any ones that uh, don't make that can be released digitally uh, after 17 days. So 50 million in the first weekend, that's the deal. Uh, Universal Filmed Entertainment Group Chairman Donna Langley said of the agreements, this is Donna Langley right here. <clears throat> Universal century-long partnership with exhibition is rooted in the theatrical experience, and we are more committed than ever for audiences to experience our movies on the big screen. She added that Cinemark CEO Mark Zoridi had done a great job giving the studio confidence uh, to release their movies into the market, keep content moving, and provide customers with the optionality that they are looking for. Well, thank you, uh, Donna Langley. We really, really appreciate it. Now, we've talked about it before, but what is special about going to a theater? There's something to be said with, you know, sitting in everyone else's uh, farts, coughs, and phone noises with a group of people and enjoying a movie experience. I, I don't know that this particular move, this particular deal is one that's going to be long lasting or far reaching beyond the end of this pandemic. Will the movie theater and the production uh, studios go back to similar deals like it was before everyone was stuck at home or too afraid or nervous to go outside again. I don't know. I don't know. I, I hope it doesn't change. I hope there's an opportunity for people who like to enjoy movies in their home. Cause I know people that wouldn't go to the movie theaters before all this stuff happened. And so after, I mean, it'd be nice if there was an option there for them. Or is it something like Wonder Woman 1984 is doing where they are in theaters and on a streaming service for a month, then the streaming service goes away and they're exclusively in theaters. And then uh, after that, you know, they have the digital and physical release later. I don't know. Last week, there was a trailer for Tom Holland's new movie, Chaos Walking. And it's, it's really cool. If you haven't seen the trailer, I do suggest you go check it out. But in the trailer... There's a, a woman who lands on a planet. It's Daisy Ridley uh, from Star Wars, so that's kind of cool. Uh, but she lands on a planet, and then Tom Holland's character sees her, has never seen a woman before, and he, he, all of his thoughts that are inside of his head are then broadcast right outside of his head. So it's, it's actually, it's really weird and interesting, and a lot of the times when I'm trying to be creative or I see something that's a rehash, a, re, a reboot, a remake... I think, wow, there's no new ideas anymore. Everything, everything is an old idea. Everything's been done. But this movie is a, a genuinely interesting and I think original idea. I'm sure it's probably a book somewhere first because a, a lot of movies are. They're proving themselves in a book and then they they make it to the make it to the theater. But I think this one looks really cool. Uh, <clears throat> Some more news coming to Disney. Disney released Black Widow onto Disney Plus, please. Thank you. Deadpool 3, uh, it apparently has been greenlit. And more surprisingly and more specifically, it has been greenlit to appear as the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe's first R-rated film. 
According to Deadline, the old writers and directors are out and the writers uh, for Bob's Burgers are in. Wendy Molyneux and Lizzie Molyneux Loughlin, uh, they're they're slated to write for this thing. Who wrote for it before? Uh, Chris Wernick, I want to say. And someone else. Uh, they haven't announced a, a director yet, but the director of Deadpool 2, David Leach, is expected to return to direct Deadpool 3. Um, and then Ryan Reynolds, of course, is slated to return as Deadpool. I am surprised that they've announced it or it's rumored that it's going to be in the MCU because Disney has made a made a market for themselves of family-friendly entertainment. And they don't like to go above and beyond a PG-13 rating because that cuts into that prime family market, or so they think. I think that Audiences are wise enough. I just completely contradicted my own brain when I said that right away because I was like, nope, they are sure not. But I think the majority of people are are wise enough to realize what is and is not a kid's movie. And that's why they have these ratings in the first place, right? So I'm kind of doubtful that Deadpool 3 is going to be in the MCU, but I'm hopeful because I've said before, I want Deadpool to be the replacement character for the Stan Lee character. The cameo appearances that Stan Lee did, I want Deadpool to do because that is his character. In the comics, his character is one that ignores the narrative, that breaks the fourth wall, that goes in between storylines, that could be a wonderful proxy for an audience and could be a wonderful, respectful replacement for Stan Lee. So that's what I'd like to see. Uh, the MGM is developing a um, uh, the MGM, not the not the hotel, uh, the studio. MGM is developing a hybrid live action Pink Panther movie uh, with Jeff Fowler, who, if you'll remember, is the guy who directed the new Sonic uh, the Hedgehog movie. Um, he's set to direct this one, but I'm curious: Will this actually? starred the pink panther the cat that you see at the beginning of the the old movies now you may not have seen it but in 1963 it started a trend of pink panther movies that featured a character uh named inspector clouseau peter sellers and it was a it was amazing one of my <laughs> i used to go over to my buddy tom's house and we would watch the Pink Panther movies. And one of the scenes, I'll never forget it. The uh, Inspector Clouseau goes into a, a house. He's doing an investigation or he's staying there. Or maybe it's an inn. I can't, can't remember. I said I'd never forget, but now I forget. And he goes in and there's a dog sleeping in the, in the room. And Inspector Clouseau goes, mm, Hello, does your dog bait? And the guy goes, no, my dog does not bet. And Inspector Clouseau tries to pet the dog and it bites at him. And he goes, oh, I thought you said your dog did not bite. And the guy, the, the other guy goes, I did. That is not my dog. <laughs> it's so stupid, but it's so amazing. And then also uh, Steve Martin was in the remake for, for this one. 
uh, back in 2006, and then Pink Panther 2 in 2009. Another movie that is coming out is the Tom and Jerry live-action movie, which, I'll be honest, looks like actual garbage. And don't get me wrong, I like Tom and Jerry. I just don't think this is a good place for Tom and Jerry to be mixed in with live-action human characters and be cartoons themselves. It works perfectly as a cartoon. It's the perfect medium for this pair. And, you know, the 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 inspirations of the cat and the mouse, whether it's um, Sylvester and, and Tweety or if it's Itchy and Scratchy or or any of those those pairings, I think is is wonderful. They're a tale as old as time. They're a classic. I don't think this needs to be a thing, but at this point, they've already got a trailer out for it, so there's no no <laughs> there's no words from Culture Jack that are going to stop the Tom and Jerry movie from being made. One thing that I thought is really cool for those of you that don't know, I am a huge anime fan. And Netflix has done some adaptations, some live action adaptations of anime in the past. They've done Full Metal Alchemist, which was mediocre at best. Um, they did uh, Death Note, which was I like Death Note. It was good, except it wasn't the same story as the, the manga or the anime. So if you go in expecting that story, well, you're going to be disappointed. But if you go in expecting or not expecting anything, it's it's a pretty decent, decent movie and an interesting take on the characters. Um, Yeah, but the live action stuff. Oh, they did a bleach as well. Not good. Not good. None of these were really good. And so that that's why this kind of stuff makes me nervous. But there is in development a Cowboy Bebop live action series being developed for Netflix. I believe it is already in production. Uh, and then there is this almost breaks my heart and it will only stitch my heart back together and make it whole again if they do it correctly. But a live action adaptation of one piece one piece is my favorite manga of all time it is a wonderful story it stretches over 900 chapters and it is it is a beautiful world that Ichiro Oda has created that I don't want to see spoiled by some garbage Netflix adaptation and there's so many fantastical elements in one piece that I can't imagine that the budget would be anything less than astronomical. It's a pirate show. They all have powers. They eat these devil's fruit that gives them the, the main character ate the gum gum fruit. And so he can stretch his arms really long, like uh, Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. I hope they don't, I hope they don't screw it up. Um, One piece is so good. And, and like I said, we don't have a great track. record. We don't have a great track record when it comes to anime adaptations on Netflix. Oh, Attack on Titan was done. I don't think that was Netflix, but it was done as well. I think it was also garbage. I did not watch it, so uh, I just heard that it wasn't wasn't very good. In Black Panther 2 news, uh, that movie is going to start shooting in July of next year. And apparently, reportedly, there is going to be more Latita Wright as Shuri. Which I love. I love the Shuri character in the original Black Panther, uh, and if they made her the next Black Panther, I wouldn't have a problem with it either. 
I mean, those are big shoes to fill and it, it, it almost seems weird and disgusting that we're, we're talking about this already. Uh, what was, when did Chad, Chadwick Boseman pass just, just a few months ago, or it feels like just a few months ago, it was in 2020. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. She could be black Panther. That's fine. I would have liked to see her be the proxy or the replacement for Tony Stark because she is such like a, she's like a genius and, um, but black Panther, she'd be a good black Panther too. And Wakanda needs someone to step up in the absence of the, I'm so interested to see how they, how they write out that character in a, in a compassionate and meaningful and uh, a way that fits within the fits within the story fits within the narrative as well. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, Monster Hunter, the movie has been moved to release on Christmas day to compete with uh, wonder woman. 1984. Uh, interesting. I wonder how much Wonder Woman is going to drive those HBO Max subscriptions. Because HBO Max, if you'll remember, is lagging when it comes to these streaming services. And speaking of HBO Max, I missed it back in August. But apparently back in August, Deadline reported that there is going to be a, a spinoff series to The Batman. Matt Reeves, uh, the Batman, it's supposed to take place in year one. So, um, you know, in the same universe that the Batman is in with Robert Pattinson, where he is becoming the Batman. And to me, it feels like it is a, a a bigger budget Gotham. Did anyone see the, uh, the show Gotham? I think it was on FX or Fox. Gotham was good but Gotham if I had to if I had to give a summation of my thoughts on Gotham it would be Gotham was it was like the blue balls of superhero TV shows <laughs> I'm sorry I can't I can't be any more appropriate than that like it was it was hey this character's gonna be the penguin this character is going to be the Joker. This character is going to be the Riddler. Sometime he's going to be Batman. These are the things that led up to it. And it just never got there. You just were teased and teased and teased and teased. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, the last couple seasons I didn't see. So they very very well may have turned into their superhero and supervillain uh, personas. But from what I watched, they never did. Uh when it comes to this HBO Max series and Green Lantern on HBO and WandaVision and Captain, uh, the, the Winter Soldier, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki, <clears throat> I, I wonder if we are moving into the next phase of superhero shows because we, we were shown... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all of the Arrowverse shows. We were shown all the Netflix Defenders shows. And all of them were okay and they were good. But now it looks like these studios are actually putting some dollar bills and some production and some effects behind these characters and these universes. Which is good news to me. And it feels like these universes 
And they've said that these universes are going to be more connected with the main continuity. So I'm excited for the future of these television shows having a little bit more to do with the big budget movies that come out as well. All right. <laughs> All right, that's it for that's it for news. What I wanted to talk to you about today and and maybe I'd spent too much time on the news if I've already lost you. I'm I'm so sorry, but you're really missing out if you don't if you didn't stick around for this part. I want to talk about uh, monoculture today. Now, I can't lay claim to this idea or even say that is a new idea. I decided to talk about this a few weeks ago, actually, while I was listening to one of my other podcasts and one of the hosts, uh, they mentioned it as kind of a kind of a throwaway line like they they didn't even realize the treasure that they had. But it was an idea that I had been thinking about for a long time and just never I just never put a good name to it. So. To best encapsulate what I think we're talking about when we're talking about a monoculture, I, I decided to devour some internet and see if folks were able to, to capture the idea in a way that satisfies my meaning and so I wouldn't maybe get tongue-tied trying to tell you about it. The first results of my meal yielded mostly information about farming, surprisingly enough, and the cultivation of a single crop in any given area. And to that definition and that process, monoculture, it, it can be detrimental uh, for reuse of the soil and it can develop harmful uh, bacteria, pathogens and disease, as opposed to maybe rotating three or four crops through your soil. Uh, the use of harsh chemicals, pollution of groundwater, and also it can have adverse effects on the ecosystem. Um, missing genetic variation and monoculture uh, contributed actually to the, the severity of the Irish potato famine. Uh, however, monoculture uh, yields benefits as well. Uh, there's not, it's not all bad. And some of those benefits include simplicity in your farming, uh, higher yields, uh, reduction of the amount of land that's required to farm. And it's not to be uh, confused with monocropping, though the two are very closely related. The term monoculture can be used in relation to studies in uh, biology as well. However, this is, it's not really a farming podcast, so we'll largely be skipping the discussion on those techniques and the controversy behind them. Though if I consider myself a skilled writer and orator, I should find a way to circle back around to them by the end of the episode, or at least by the end of the second part of this topic. Uh, but does it really count as foreshadowing if you acknowledge the attempt beforehand? I'll let you decide, I guess. Now, it's not about farming, but I did find an article by uh, Vox. It really helps define what I'm, I'm talking about when I'm talking about our shared monoculture. Uh, and the article is entitled, can monoculture survive the algorithm and should it? And in the author, uh, in the article, the author Kyle Chaka uh, outlines two main concerns <clears throat> as Kyle Chaka here <clears throat> within the monoculture obsession. There are two concerns. 
The first is that in the digital streaming era, we have lost a perceived ability to connect over media products as reference points that everyone knows. The way that we used to discuss the weather or politics, he continued, the fear is that we exist in a fragmented realm of impenetrable niches and subcultures enabled by streaming media. The second concern is that because of the pressures of social media and the self-reinforcing biases of recommendation algorithms that drive streaming, culture is becoming more similar than it is different. We are worried that our digital niches cause a degree of homogenization, which the word monoculture is also used to describe. Uh, so I do, I do recommend that you, you check out this article, but as, but as Kyle describes it, uh, the concern is that either we will all become so divided due to the algorithms uh, that drive to push us to the content that we personally desire and react to, or on the other hand, popular media and sentiment drives us to become so similar in our interests that our cherished differences and uniqueness are, are really cast into the stormy sea of sameness. Now, uh, I'm going to title my next uh, my next episode a "Stormy Sea of Sameness." I'm not personally driving toward any argument uh, of that magnitude in a in a, a a battle of personality, a loss of soul, nations reforming their culture to be mirrors of their counterparts, or any other similar point to that. Uh, those points could all be made. Actually, when I'm talking about monoculture, uh, it's most assuredly in the vein of popular culture, things like we talk about on this podcast, gaming, movies, technology. Now, I was I was worried that uh, this particular episode was perhaps getting uh, my head up my own ass a little bit, but this article really takes a deep dive into this stuff, so I don't feel as bad. And if listening uh, to this one has piqued your interest on the subject, like I said, check out that article uh, online. In the article, uh, Kyle brought up the Avengers movie and, uh, and, you know, the TV series, Game of Thrones, these really big popular things. And, and surely, yes, those were cultural phenomenon that hit the zeitgeist at just the right moment. But near the end of Game of Thrones, when many people had already tuned out, I'm, I'm including myself as one of those. I, I still have three episodes to go in the final season. Um, I'd like to go back a little bit further than Avengers and Game of Thrones. Do you remember when The Walking Dead came out and how many people were obsessed with that show or, or how many people, uh, were talking about Pam and Jim on the office or the series finale of Seinfeld or friends or princess Diana. It, it is, it's this idea that we are all collectively watching and consuming the same kinds of things. And the same thing goes with video games. When Grand Theft Auto 3 came out, it was the talk of the town. Before that, Super Mario 64. Heck, if you go back another decade and watch the whole video game world be caught up in like a Super Mario Brothers 3 or a Street Fighter or anything like that is. What my point is, is that fandoms have slowly but surely grown further and further apart. 
So to the second concern of the Vox article, I don't think there is a real chance of us molding together in some super homogenized mess of cloned consumers. I think just the opposite and an agreement to the first concern of the article. We are becoming more and more splintered and our moments of shared enjoyment and unity of passions are becoming more and more brief before at the water cooler in the age of sitcoms and shared fandoms. The question was always, uh, can you believe the episode last night? What an amazing band that was. Uh, Or, you know, I found a way to beat level two by skipping that stupid giraffe puzzle entirely. And your conversation partner would, in most cases, know exactly what you're talking about. Today, that same conversation can happen, but it has to be preceded by two very distinct questions. And you know these questions. You've had them when talking to your friends about the things that you enjoy. Question number one. Are you watching this thing, my favorite show out of all of the shows in the whole wide world right now? Are you watching this one thing? And the second question. Are you caught up? Right? There's not a weekly release of these shows. Well, in some cases there is now, but even if they pass this test, even if they pass the first question, yes, they're watching the same thing you are. And the second question, they're all caught up. They are only so invested in that thing until they move on to the next thing before they're done uh, with the first, even maybe in some cases, this leaves a lot to be desired in retention of their favorite parts Uh, good one-liners or character interactions that they really enjoyed and would otherwise have liked to talk to you about. So when the stars align in just the right way, they're a lot less bright. And this nostalgia of a shared experience happens still today. It's called going viral. You know, Kim can break the internet. Daniel can be damned and you can be a cool cat or kitten. But even as viral as as these things are or were, uh, as you know, they're, they're now buried in the middle of a mass grave of dead memes, even as viral as they were, I, I, I had trouble coming up with just those three examples because these moments are so fleeting. They're so quick. Memes are culture and red hot. Uh, they can come just as fast as they lose, as they lose favor with the internet. And it's all very, very quick. And so even if you have the chance to enjoy in that shared frivolity of the moment, it's done before it can be savored and it's given no time to marinate. Why is this happening? When did this happen? Is it done happening? Is it too late? And is it even a bad thing? Well, a big part of why it is happening is the explosion of choice. Today, you can watch way more and in way more ways than you were able to when some of those cultural meeting points occurred in the 90s and the aughts. Binging shows on your favorite platform automatically makes a single shared experience less likely because everyone even within the group of people that enjoy that thing are not on the same episode, the same plot point or the same schedule. 
This can cause an exponential rate of separation then as maybe a particularly devoted member of the group may get tired of waiting and start a new show, thus further fragmenting the group. They won't have any idea of where everyone else is or remember what they've already watched. And like we already said, since the original groups are not the super societies they once were, they become further splintered, diminishing an opportunity to build community and camaraderie around a specific piece of media or of art. And I think often, from my very limited worldview and perspective, that this shift took place the same time that the internet shifted from a cumbersome luxury to a more user-friendly experience. Or maybe it happened when the clock struck midnight at the turn of the millennium. Perhaps this is the apocalypse that Y2K really heralded, the end of a popular culture that had a more enduring staying power and further reach. Maybe it was when Blockbuster seated its seat at the table, being replaced by Netflix and video on demand. It could have happened at some point when we were introduced to a host of more diverse, uh, more diverse voices that had a more significant difference than Jay Leno and David Letterman. If you have a variety of things that appeals to different tastes, you don't need to stomach down just the popular or limited choices of the past. You get to pick what you like. The argument has been made and it was made in the article, the Vox article that I referenced earlier, that to achieve the same amount of cultural gravity now as was done before, a product like the Avengers, it has to have a mass appeal that doesn't offend or upset, that doesn't challenge or evoke emotion, and it doesn't change. It is a product, a commercial product. They have to be made in a way, these critics say, that each one is not too dissimilar from the previous one or from the next one. Those pieces of media that are too niche or too opinionated will then be cast to the small group for which they were intended, never given the chance to, to challenge a casual or mass audience. And I think it's only going to continue as well. This trend of having more and more media Video game developers are not disguised in their intention to keep you invested in their game either. So they're going to keep you as involved as they can through battle passes, paid skins, added DLC, other new features. They've got the games as a service as what games are today. And then this gives you opportunities for your friends to get sucked into other games or to move on from games that you are still sipping some enjoyment out of. And now this <clears throat> this episode has largely been focused on gaming and culture and TV and in movies, but this idea of a monoculture and a monoculture that is fading or becoming less pervasive is one not exclusive to my preferred media choices. Think about the music that you listen to today. Compared to the nationwide or worldwide phenomenon of the past, like could a rock band like the Beatles exist today? Could they ever hope to become as big as they were or, or as for as long as they did? What about comedians, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, even as near past 
as Dane Cook. Remember how big that guy got? How fanatical people were about him? Me too. I'm adult enough to admit it. I'm not proud of it, but I'm adult enough to admit when I made a mistake. But don't just stop at media. Think of cultural events that defined your generation. Uh, A Princess Diana, a Bill Clinton, and O.J. Simpson. Remember how those events were overanalyzed, they were dissected, and and they really overwhelmed the conversations at the office or at the job site. Now, do scandalous political affairs still happen today? Are there beloved figures still capturing the attention of the entire world? Do high-profile celebrity court cases still dominate the news cycle? Of course they do. But I don't think that they do to the degree they once did or have the staying power and the sticking power that they once did as well. I want to pose uh, to you a question to those listening and to you as well, Anthony, given this brief description of how my brain describes or, or perceives a monoculture to be, what is an event from your past that you fondly remember as an example of a monoculture and a monoculture like I described? And I'm, I, I know that I am not the only one with these feelings. So when did you first feel that this kind of shared experience was slipping away or notice a fragmentation in our society in general, or maybe your, your personal circles specifically. And finally, are you happy with the shift from mass shared consumption or are you devastated by it? I, I say all this to say that I don't think it's entirely a bad thing. Though I do miss the days where uh, the new big movie in the theater was on everyone's minds and it dominated everyone's conversations. Where inside jokes and, and catchy lines from a TV show would be repeated until we were sick. Eat your dinner, Tina, you fat lard. <clears throat> I can do better than that. <clears throat> Eat your dinner, Tina, you fat lard. All right, that was much that was not much better. Uh, though, though some of those things do make me nostalgic and and yearn for a shared experience of the masses, I think that having a wide variety of choices is ultimately a thing to be cherished. This allows for smaller fandoms, yes, but fandoms with perhaps a more closely knit community. Fandoms with a a boiling passion that could never have been achieved with the mass-produced vanilla echo chamber of media past. This paradigm shift, I think, allows more nuanced discussions and analyses to take place where they might not have before because everything was a lot more surface level. I, for one, welcome the change. So yeah, that's that's where I'm going to end it. On, on this for today, on this monoculture. Uh, this is going to be a two-part episode, maybe a three-part episode. No, probably a two-part episode. Um, I'm going to do my best uh, on the next one to describe our mono, monoculture and describe some of my own personal 
frustrations with the dissolution of the aforementioned monoculture. Uh, <laughs> as you know, we got another another episode coming up after the weekend. Monday Madness with Anthony uh, to welcome you back into the week. And so you'll have to check back next Friday to catch part two of this one. Please tune into our shows. We love uh, the uh, the increased engagement you guys are having with us, the conversations. We talk about this stuff because we like to talk about it. And we have discussions with each other all the time. But it's really nice finding that you guys and gals enjoy the the conversations as well. And so we, we want to continue that with you. If you can, do us a favor. Leave a review on whichever uh, platform you are using. Uh, the algorithms, well, they want to... They want to connect and eat off of each other and feed more people to the Culture Jack podcast. And we want that too. And the only way that we can do that is through interaction. So if you would like to contact us, we do have a Facebook page. You can get a hold of us on there. We have a Twitter account at Culture Jacked on both locations. You also can, can get a hold of us at the email culture.collectivex2 at gmail.com but other than that that's been our episode on monoculture tune back in on monday for the monday madness and next friday for part two everybody have a good weekend cheers cheers